Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Okay. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. This is the October 20th edition, 2017. I'm William Hayashi. I'm your host. And tonight we have uh, our special guest is... Uh, now, wait, let me ask you this. Do you, do you use the Baba or not the Baba? Uh, you can. It's just, a, it's just a title, Father. I have two sons. Okay. Um, yeah. So we've got uh, Baba uh, Daoud. Anya Wiele, I wanted to get yes, that sir. right, and he is, uh, from what I'm told, because I don't know a lot, you know, if I knew a lot, I'd probably be out on Friday nights, I'd have a real job, you know, all kinds of things like that, but you're an award-winning, is it Emmy award-winning illustrator? Yes, sir. Man, see, now that's cool stuff, um, and, and that is the best part about the job doing this because I get to meet people I never would have met otherwise. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And where are you coming to us from? Uh, I'm based in Atlanta right now. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I hear good things about it, except when y'all get snow over a half an inch and then you go crazy and you don't know how to behave. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, that's coming from somebody here in Chicago where where when we get that snow, sometimes it's just killer. Um, um, and, and are you like an Atlanta native, or are you a transplant, or what's the deal? Yeah, I'm originally from Philadelphia, and I kind of lived in a lot of different places. I was in New York for a while, uh, L.A. I lived in Dallas for like four years, but I've been in Atlanta for 17 years now. So, so uh, I got for a while, couple- huh? Yeah, so the the half inch snowstorms, they really uh, do me in. Well, I, you know, I and I get it too because you know, for a city that far south to go ahead and invest, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars worth of snow equipment, when you don't get that much snow, would seem to be kind of, you know, kind of foolish. So I, you know, I don't, I'm not really that hard on on Atlanta. It's just kind of fun to watch the whole city kind of get shut down <laughs> because. Well, I mean, well, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really the ice. It's it's really the, uh, you know, a lot of people laugh about it, but it, the ice actually gets treacherous. And, and the uh, since the city's not equipped like the north, and this is just from what I'm I'm observing, um, uh-huh. you know, you, you don't have the, all those uh, trucks in the, you know, the uh, salt trucks in great numbers. So some yeah, streets, they may not sand, be ice yeah. for a while. Yeah, so anybody, you could be from anywhere, you're going to get on some black ice or or thin, you know, a thin layer of ice, you're going to crash, you know, it's not like oh, you're yeah. from the north. Oh, yeah. Just because you're from the north, you're not going to spin out on ice. <laughs> you're going to oh, crash, no, too. Plus, <laughs> yeah, plus you just don't have the snow reflexes, you know, and there's nothing exactly, wrong with yeah. that. I mean, you know, if you don't drive on it, you don't know. Anyway, I don't yeah, want to talk that, about that anymore because I want to let people know that we have an abbreviated show because you have to uh, – you have things to do in the morning at an ungodly time. I mean, to get up at 5 a.m., which would be like 4 a.m. my time, which I can't. I mean, that's really when I'm about going to sleep, you know, because I write, I do all my writing and stuff at night when it's quieter. Um, but let's get, let's jump right in. Um, tell me a little bit, you know, you're an Emmy Award winning artist, essentially, right? Yeah, um, well, actually, um, the the Emmy Award was for a, uh, I, I worked at um, various production studios over the years, and one studio I worked at for at least a decade was Turner Studios here in Atlanta. I'm not there now, but I was there for at least 10 years, and I mm-hmm. was doing um, storyboards, production work, like character designs, background designs, um, concept art, pretty much whatever they needed me to do. And I liked sure. the job because every day was different. So I was doing things for like CNN, 
Cartoon Network, um, Boomerang, True TV, um, TBS, TNT, and you know sometimes uh, movie movie production right. studios. So the uh, Emmy Award came from a public service announcement that I conceptualized for Dalai Lama when the Dalai Lama came to Atlanta. They needed a mm-hmm. uh, basically a commercial uh, prom- a promotion. And um, so the piece that I worked on, uh, it actually was nominated and won an Emmy for, uh, you know, for the spot. So right. That, Still pretty cool, yeah. though, man. You can't, I mean, there's no minimizing that, but to have, to have your, oh, yeah. your skill and your talent acknowledged like that, it, it's got to be a really great thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like for me, I've always been, um, you know, I've I've won a lot of awards, like when I was in high school and things like that. And I used to never really pay them much mind. It's like, you know, I just, I just want to draw, you know, if somebody recognizes it, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. You know, I look at it as <laughs> somebody's patting you on the back and saying, good job. But my thing is, I don't, I don't stay in that space. I just move forward and keep going. And, you know, it's kind of like the people around me who's, who who were acknowledging like the significance of things where you know you should sit back and and really uh you know learn to like accept when people are really acknowledging something and claim it you know because sometimes I, I really yeah, won't claim yeah. it because well, you know at one you point know, it was sitting <laughs> at one point it was sitting in a box my Emmy was sitting in a box for a couple of years and a lot of people didn't even know I had it and it was some people right. around me that were saying you know don't 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 uh don't memorize it. Put it out there. Let people know. So I, I had to embrace mm-hmm. that. And, and you know what? Here's the thing. When people know about it, it does tend to open doors that might not have been opened before. You know. Exactly. Yeah. And and, exactly. and so and and I don't I don't want to dwell on it like you know oh that's the pinnacle of your career because you know it, it's a thing that happened and of course you're moving on. And I think most really good creatives. Are, are going to be perpetual, lifetime, um, uh, kind of like, uh, you know, trying self-improvement. You know, you try to get yeah, better as you go along. Yeah, lifetime student. Yeah. Um, now, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned that you started drawing in high school, and, and was that, I mean, everybody did crayons and stuff when they were little. You know, whenever I talk to artists, they say, well, I say, well, so when did your, you know, your artistic streak, oh, well, I was like, Two, and with my crayons. But I mean, when when did? Let me ask you: When your awareness came to you that this was it? This was something that was going to be a major component of who you are. Well, I don't know if it was two, but I probably say five. Because really? I think it was. Yeah, for me, it's cool. Um, you know, when I think back to like kindergarten, um, I was always right. attracted to like finger paints and. Uh-huh you know, colors, and just creativity, just creating things, uh, you know, arts and crafts, that type of stuff. And I, I, and I had old, actually I have three older brothers. Uh, one passed away in 2010, but he's actually the one who was, you know, doing animation and stuff, and like science fiction animation at that, like in 1970. I'm like, I'm five years old. No, not five. Yeah, five years old. And he was doing yeah. um, stop motion animation stuff that's kind of like on that South Park type tip, but he was doing like cutting out every shape, and he created a whole space scene in the basement. Took up the whole basement floor, and he used his uh, Super 8 camera, and that blew me away. You know, just as a little kid, like well, I, I was trying to get on his level uh, since way back then. He would draw monsters and you know buy monster models and. Uh, you know, spaceship models and things like that. So I was always had that, I always had that interest. You know, we, we got into, me and my other brother got into model rockets and doing, doing our own stop motion by the time we were like 13, 12 and 13, building miniatures mm-hmm. in our bedroom. So this is like 70, 78, 79. And, and doing that in Philly, you know, I guess in our neighborhood and, and, you know, there weren't like a lot of – that wasn't really like the things kids were doing. You know, you know, if it okay. was more like sports, sports is kind of more like, okay, yeah, I, I see that's what you do, you know. But when you're doing like art and then art that's kind of 
not the norm, especially when you're talking about science fiction and stuff during that era. Sure. Um, it, it's kind of out the box where in some, in some cases it's kind of like a lonely thing, but not lonely where you said it's kind of like, I'm just working alone, but I'm excited, you know? Yeah. It's like a so, singular pursuit. Right. You know, you're yeah, not getting so, a whole yeah. lot of people together to, you know, to draw, you know, like you would for a basketball game or baseball or something like that. But, but yeah, I mean, imagine, imagine if you were like an author, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's probably kind of similar because a lot of that workspace is in your head, I would imagine. Yeah, right. And see, my brother, he's the writer, my brother Guy. So just growing up in our house, you know, Guy was writing, you know, uh, my brother Jason was doing, he was actually doing the camera work and building the miniatures. I would actually draw the characters and build the clay, you know, the, the, the clay characters, and we would cast the mold and build um, armatures and set up the lighting and all that stuff. And we could just learn this out the back of those fantastic films and Fangoria magazines, like, uh, because, you know, we didn't have internet and then a lot you know we didn't have internet back then and the libraries don't didn't really have up-to-date information most of those books would be dated on animation so well you and, know, and watching almost those, all of them yeah almost all of them and in that era the majority of, of them were coming out of disney right and, and then you know we were like really heavily influenced during that time with like a lot of the kids the Sinbad movies and Jason and the Argonauts and sure. and stuff like that. Sure. So we always wanted to do that live action, mixing live action with uh, little stop motion monsters and and things like that. And we did pretty good. You know, we had some pretty cool stuff that we did back then, considering, you know, we didn't really have tutorials like, like we have now. You know, that's why I say kids nowadays, you know, whatever you imagine, you can create it with – uh, half, I say, man, I wouldn't say half the cost. It's, it's just cheap. You know, a lot of stuff comes well, with yeah. the computers now. The tools are available that, that weren't back then. I mean, you know, obviously people have invested a lot of technology in being able to make that kind of, um, that, that kind of art accessible. You know, to mm-hmm. to you know people who don't have a ton of money and things like that. But I mean, how old were you all when you were doing this? Uh, I'd say about, like just about what se- ages? Seventh yeah. grade. The seventh grade. That's like seventy-seven. Probably like thirteen, Man, fourteen great. years old. Then going that into high school. Then I, yeah. And like and I said, a lot of that was self-taught. Yeah. Oh well, of course. I mean, there were not. I mean. You can find a tutorial for anything online, you know. Yeah, nowadays. Yeah, you know, there's probably some dumbass person trying to take their own appendix out right now. Fine, you know, more power (laughs) to them. But (laughs) but, with the technology now, now, they probably did it right. (laughs) Well, you know, um, what is it? They got those. They've got those robotics now, where a doctor in Tokyo can take out your appendix in Cleveland. See, that's just spooky to me. Well, there you, you know, go. Yeah. Plus, you know, look at all these uh, these app makers who are trying to fix it so you can like have sex over your phone. Um, uh, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, in in high school, you're doing this sort of thing. When, you know, when did you get to the point where you were thinking, well, I can or am making money, or looking at the, you know, the the the, the financial potential for for this kind of um this kind of work um well i actually i i always saw money connected to it going back to elementary school because i used to sell my drawings to my friends to get nice. you know to get to buy lunch so right you know i would sell drawing to a friend for like a dollar or two dollars and then i hit the jackpot if a if a kid would give me five dollars because keep in mind this mm-hmm. is the seventies. So, you know, $5, that'll get you some, some nice treats in the cafeteria. So, um, but when I got to high school, um, I had, you know, I would make up designs and, and go down to the place in Philly to get silkscreen shirts made. Like, I, I remember getting my first order of silkscreen shirts made 
and selling them to all these kids. And I started making money, wow. like selling T-shirts. So I basically started a T-shirt company in high school, but not in the way like you have a company now. It's just, you know, I had a name for it. I print up shirts and I had people buying the shirts. And next thing you know, it's like I understood the process of going from concept to tangible product to money in your pocket. And like, man, that was easy. You know, like you, you just think of something, you make it, you put it out there and everybody wants to buy it. So I understood that <laughs> yeah. since high yeah. school. You know, when, when um and that's something I even taught my sons, like, you know, when they were little, like like, hey, you know, you guys can come up with an idea and you can make it once you make it tangible, then the possibility of you making money becomes greater. As long as it's just an idea in your head, then you'll be wondering if I'll make money. But once you make mm-hmm. the product mm-hmm. and put it out there, put it out there, next you know, people are repeating your you know, it's funny, like, you know, say you come up with a, a name of a you know, some, some random name of something. And, you know, it's called, you know, Monsters XYZ. And sure. next thing you know, everybody on the street is talking about Monsters XYZ when just a couple of weeks ago, that was just something that you just made up in your head that was kind of funny to you. But now people are like, yo, right. when's, uh, when's Monsters XYZ number two coming out? And now it's a thing. It, you know, it's no longer a, a, a figment or um, an enigma in your mind, it's a tangible object. And once you understand that, then you realize like, wow, I have, a, um, I have an endless uh, supply of concepts, which means I should really never be poor. And well, when I say I, poor, I because, mean, you know. Go ahead. No, no, I was well, just saying. So concept, it, it's a concept of supply and demand. You create exactly. a demand by 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 showing the eye candy, the shiny object, mm-hmm. the thing that because they don't have it, people want it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, man, I mean, that's pretty cool to pick that up so early. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I don't mean that any bad way. I mean, I think that that, that becoming an entrepreneur at that age shows uh, uh, some pretty cool wisdom. And, um, you know, did, how, how, how did that work out for you, you know, getting into, let's say, not where you are today, but obviously that was the beginning of the progression to becoming the, 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 uh, the artist or, or the, the entrepreneur that you are today, right? Yeah, and actually I, I like the direction that you're going because a lot of times people ask me about, you know, Brother Man Comics or they're asking me about what I'm doing now at the studios, but they don't realize, like, the questions you're asking me, that's the core. You know, it, you know, to make a comic book now is based on that idea of what I was just telling you that I understood as a child, creating a product right. and seeing your friends buying it. And then, you know, as you progress and get older, you understand, you know, what, you know, I want to make a, you know, now I want to make a comic book. You know, if you want to make an mm-hmm. app, you know, you're just, right. learning, you know, it's, as as uh, the times change, you know, the medium changes, but the ideas are still the same create a concept, put it out in the public, and sell it and make money, create a demand for it. So with me, a lot of that came from the home that I grew up in. Uh, my father, even though he was, uh, you know, he he worked, my mother and my father were both educators, and my father, he had published his own books. He had a series of um, books that he wrote on the black family, like, um, Right to Passage for Black Youth, uh, Indoa Lucy, which is a a wedding ceremony. He wrote uh, Celebration of Passing. And they were all like rituals for the black family. And Uh he he published these books himself. So he taught me at an early age about owning, creating and owning what you, what comes out of your mind. You know, he said, you know, he's not saying this is what you have to do. He's just saying, you know, there's the pros and cons. You can get signed to a deal and get a small percentage of something big, or you can create your own thing and get 100% of something that, you know, it may take a while to grow, but you own it. And it's something that, Mm -hmm. you know, you can pass down and you control, but it's a choice that you make. You know, some people, that's not their thing. They, 
they may say, well, you got 100% of something, that, but it's, it's not blown up yet. And they say, yeah, but, you know, anything that, you know, you think of any big company, Disney and all, they all started off somewhere where at one point uh, it, it was probably 100% of something small, but now everybody wants to be down with Disney and all the big companies because they had time, they had decades to flourish. And, you know, for us, we're just coming out with something that hasn't been around, you know, um, I'm talking about most of the people living in our generation now. Your sure, products sure. aren't, yeah. you know, your products have not been out as long as those other products where they had a chance to grow, where you can pass it down to your next generation. Because that's what I look at. I don't look at ne- things necessarily being, of course, I would like it to be as successful as I can while I'm here in this 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 time. But I right. really want to build something that my children, it, it grows in value when they have children. And That's then, cause it, because they, they're born in it. It's always, it's always been there as far as they're concerned. You know right. what I mean? And that's the difference with um, building legacy and just being a part of somebody else's vision and legacy. You know, and not to say, you know, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, there, there's two components to that that a lot of people don't realize. And the first one is when you build something, <clears throat> you, you have two challenges. One is you, want, you, you, know, you definitely want it to be good creatively. You, know, you mm-hmm. want something to be laudable, something that people go, yeah, that's pretty cool. But the second part is getting, getting your work above the background noise because there are so many people out there who are now content creators that right. it's it's a little tough to, to distinguish yourself, you know, because mm-hmm. if you don't, like in my case, I write books. Mm-hmm. If I had if I had the marketing budget of HarperCollins, more people would know about me no matter what. But right. as it is, you know, with me only being you know at right now pushing this and not even full time, it's not as easy. So yeah, you know, obviously you want to be able to to exploit your intellectual property in a way that not only is is uh, noticeable, but also you're smart enough that you want to do it in a way that's durable. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be able to do it so that it lasts a long time. And, uh, I mean, see, these are, these are all business concepts that a lot of people just don't get at right away. You know, there are mm-hmm. people out there who have come up with great ideas, but because they didn't go big, you know, because they didn't jump off in a month. They either got discouraged or, yeah, they got discouraged and then, you know, they gave up. Or and sold that, it. Sold it for cheap. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's the, that's the big one. Uh, I mean, we see, we see that all the time. And, um, you know, let's just say, for example, in the music industry, like whenever we see these behind the – behind the music stories and stuff like that, where, you know, you have these entertainers where when they were in their early stage, you know, somebody put a contract in, in front of them and says, you'll get $30,000 or <clears throat> maybe not even that much, you know, and that right. sounds like a and whole lot. Out. Yeah. Right. And then you sell That's it and nice. next you know, they're, they're phenomenons. And then we're surprised when we find out they're not making a lot of money because they already signed on to a very a, a small amount of money because they 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 did not really fathom their value at being worth billions. Right. You, you, they saw right. their value at okay, well if I get like if I get like $50,000 or $100,000, I'm good. But if you're getting $100,000, best believe that company's probably getting 100 million dollars. You mm-hmm. know, and, and and I think oh, okay. No, go ahead. No, and I'm just saying, like, you know, and 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 it takes it takes time to build up to that, and but for me, I'm like, you know, what is time anyway? I mean, that 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 comes into, you know, the way that we think. We think in terms of like, like you said, if if something doesn't jump off in a month, then it's time to bail. But what what is a month? You know, I mean, isn't life is a journey? So if your properties and the things that you're creating are part of your journey, it may take a lifetime to build something if what you're building is driven by more than just 
the the currency because I think if you're trying to build something that 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 has meaning and and is and uh you know some type of truth to it based on who you are I I believe it will jump off and some things they just take time sometimes it's a matter of who you run into at a certain point in time and and we always hear other stories about um uh people who you know who um at one point they were quote unquote losing you know they're struggling they're trying to be creative and they're ready right. to give up and all of a sudden something comes through and then bam they're the people that's on top of the world now cuz they didn't quit you know yeah, so you never know where your life you is going to go and you can't predict that either you know the you mm-hmm. know the people who who do well no matter what are those people who have the stamina to stick with it no matter what and they could either take the long path forward or somebody could discover them and I did the air quotes around discover and then all of a sudden things jump off but right. it, I think that that the thing that's the toughest to find are people who have the stick-to-itiveness to to kind of push what you know push on past the fact that you know all of a sudden they're not you know, Oprah didn't discover them and, and make their life turn into, you know, golden dreams. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I, and, and I, 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 go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I mean, because, you know, because everybody's journey is different. You know, some people, they may get discovered and, and them being discovered, it, that is their, their, uh, you know, um, their, their payoff. But then in some cases, some people, you know, and we see a lot of these stories too, where people are discovered and they're put out there. And the thing is, then they don't really have a right to really be who they are because they have to follow the parameter of the person that placed them there. You know, they're not, they're not that independent person. You know, we, we see that a lot out there where, uh, you know, somebody, they want to take a stance on, on a political situation that they believe in, but they can't say anything or their money flow will get cut because they don't own their destiny. They got a lot of right. money, but they don't own their destiny. See, I, I'm, right. you know, I'm free with what I do. You know, I do my own property. But if somebody asks me like what I believe in about something, I could say it, and it's like, you know, either, you know, either you're gonna still buy my product or not. But it's not like some. There's nobody on top of me saying, "Oh, you're fired because, you know, you 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 stood with Colin Kaepernick." You know what I'm saying? Right. But right. it's like exactly. I can say what what I want because. There's nobody on, you know, telling me what I can do because nobody made me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, you're not beholden to anybody. Exactly. Um, I, I'm kind of, I'm thinking about that struggle now because I was very lucky. A, couple, a few weeks ago, I got my first contact from a production company that said, uh, that wanted to at least know if the TV and movie rights to my my uh, my novels was available. So now I have mm-hmm. to think in terms of, okay, how am I going to treat my intellectual property? You know, mm-hmm. how am I going to, am I going to give them, you know, what, what's, what's the deal with giving an option? You know, because once you sell an option, once you give an option to your work, they can pretty much do what they want with it. And, and you know, and I wonder, well, do I want to sell out? What if Sony comes to me and says, we'll give you uh, $10 million dollars for all of your books in this series, you know, to, to option them and then do what we want to do and then own the property. And I have to think about that. Now, I know I can write more, but uh-huh. then like you said, you know, can I exploit that better for myself than just giving it up at the beginning? So, now, it, you know, it, there's the, well, the, the, the last part about this now is that most creatives are desperate little trolls. And I'm not saying this mm-hmm. as a bad thing, but because, because you know, it's tough getting noticed. It's cu- tough being famous. It's tough getting your name out there. And a lot of people, like you said, may, may go for the easy shot because they, either they're short-sighted or I think a lot of that is fear. What do you think about that? Um, fear that well, maybe I mean, if they let this one opportunity go by, they may not get another opportunity. What do you think? Well, you know, to me, I, I just think, you know, people, everybody's so different. You know, there's no uh, one, 
myopic yeah, way of looking at all, yeah. Why, yeah, people's right. decisions that they're going to make. And, and everybody's decision is going to be different, you know, because just like you said, you know, like say somebody does say, you know, I'll give you 10 million, uh, 10 million. That's not a, that's not a, uh, you know, we're not talking about $10,000. We're talking about $10 million. And you can we retire say, hey, we're on 10 million. Huh? You can retire on 10 million. That's what I'm saying. So now if they're talking about something that it's like, you know what, this makes sense. You know, so I don't really look at that as selling out. I look at that as selling it like, like that may be more like, you know what, I can let this go because now that with what I, because basically what you did was you just financed your vision because you may finance a, a, a corporation yeah from selling yes. other concepts that you had that it's like, okay, you know, I could part with that because I took that 10 million and now I'm building something over here with that 10 million. And then they may take the stories that you had and those stories may go on to make a hundred million. They may be the new Lord of the Rings for all, you know, you see what I'm saying? But <laughs> the thing is, yeah. you were still able to um, parlay your 10 million to build something substantial and there's still a benefit from you being the creator of the other properties. Cause more than likely you're going to, you know, Hey, maintain that I'm still the creator of that, blah, blah, blah. You know, it still has to benefit you more than just getting the 10 million. Um, that's why I say you, there's really not one way of looking at it because if somebody came up to me and said, Hey, I'll give you X amount of dollars for something I created, but it's something that's feasible. Like, you know what? I would take that money and I would do this with it. You know, now if mm -hmm. I took that money and I just bought some cars and things that just depreciated, you know, threw money around the strip club or something like that. And then now it's like, I don't have any more money, but that product is now worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And I, and I just blew through the money they gave me. Then I think that's kind of like not very smart, but if you take your money and you know how to parlay that into something that's uh, feasible to build something tangible, then I think that's cool. As far as the yeah. uh, what you're saying about the option fee, because you know we we optioned uh, Brother Man the, the the comic series, and yeah, you know, I guess for anybody tuning in who may not know that that's a comic series that uh, um, that my brother and my brothers and I have created in 1990, and uh, and it's it's gone on to to uh, be you know one of the most successful independent black comic books in history. Sure. And, um, yep. and the thing is we, we optioned, let's see, we optioned with one, two, I think I had two different, two to three different option periods where we did option the rights for film. And mm -hmm. the option doesn't necessarily mean that they have all your rights. It, it is they're optioning the right and you can limit the option. Like, Say if you're dealing with somebody, say, hey, this is for a brother man movie, um, and and if there is a movie, then yes, they'll have the first option to do like brother man two, brother man three, blah blah blah. Uh, the merchandising aspect of it, you're going to negotiate if there's a merchandising aspect, they get this and that, and it's just giving that studio or that agency or whatever the right to shop it around. There's right. a period right. of time that they have the option where if they don't if they don't land something in that time, the rights revert back to you, which happened with us. And yep. um, so you know, so option period doesn't necessarily mean that they they get your rights. And a lot of it all comes down to how you negotiate because everything could be negotiated differently. And um, you know, it's all it's all based on what you want. And 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 I think the hungry thing you were saying before, sometimes we. We, you know, I think a lot of us are in that space where, you know, we we want to draw. We don't want to be worrying about finances. We want to, well, not just draw. We want to create. We want to produce. We don't want to be worrying about all these contracts and all that other stuff. But um, what happens is, you know, when when things come along, we want to hurry up and get that thing that's going to give us the money so then we can just create. And that's why sure. sometimes we're, we're, we want to just sell something right away. So then, man, so now, okay, now I can pay my bills. I don't have to worry about rent for a while or mortgage. I can just, I can just create every day. I can green light my own pro projects because that's ultimately what we want. 
So, but so I don't say there's any one way. I don't, you know, if somebody signs a deal, I don't say that, oh man, that, that didn't make no sense. I think whatever works for somebody in the life that they want to lead, I think as long as you're happy in the end, I, and like I said, my dad, he told me about pros and cons, but he didn't say which one you have to do. He just said, Hey, here's a couple ways of looking at it. And that's what, what sure. he knew at the time. And then I'd learn different mm-hmm. things and I tell my sons, but then I don't tell people that, that there's a right and wrong. It's just, here's the different ways of looking at it. Well, and that's a good point for you to, to bring up because one of the things that too, far too many people don't do is they don't seek good legal representation to protect themselves. And, mm-hmm. and you know, they look at, they go, well, I can't afford a lawyer. And, and the fact, the sad fact of the matter is you can't afford not to have one because, mm-hmm. You know, someone with a with a with a loaded contract can really mess your life up. So that's another thing for you to look out for. You know, don't assume that you're the smartest person in the world and that you mm-hmm. can handle everything because there are people out there. And I don't mean you, you. I mean the editorial. No, no, I know what you mean. There, there are people out there who who scam other people for a living. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then there are people who just make mistakes. I mean, look at look at like MC Hammer. MC Hammer wasn't a bad guy. He just was not a smart business person, you know. Mm-hmm. You you don't pay, you don't pay people for not working and things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, one of the things there's two things that I advise people if they're you know one is if you get a chunk of money from your art, you know the first thing you do is don't go buck wild crazy and spend it all. If you get enough to make a difference, why don't you buy an annuity that's going to give you you know fifty hundred thousand dollars a year for the rest of your life. That mm-hmm. way, if the crap hits the fan, you still you still are taken care of. You know, you can pay your Uh bills. You can do some traveling. And the other thing, which I just forgot because I'm old, um, (laughs) uh, I did did forget it just that quick. There were two things. It'll come back to me. But, I mean, the one thing, you know, the one thing about having a good legal representation, and, oh, in most of the larger cities, there are free... There are groups, like here in Chicago, I forget what it is. It's like the, uh, the uh, uh, Lark Artist Legal Aid or something like that. There's a oh, yeah, Lawyers for the that, Art. That, yeah, there you go, uh-huh. Lawyers for the Art. And, and they will at least point you in the right direction, if not represent you, if something comes up ad hoc. You know, so don't, uh-huh. don't, don't ever think that you are without recourse. And then, you know, if you have a good network, Check with your friends. You know, check with that mm-hmm. network and see. Well, have you run into something like this? Because all of that is really important. You, you know, you you want to, you don't want to go through life and have people take advantage of you, and and to be helpless to protect yourself and and your mm-hmm. family too. Because remember, if you're talking about your livelihood, you're talking about something that impacts everybody. Um, right. Let me ask you something. You know, uh, right now, probably the rights for uh, Broadband Comics is. Um, are it is are available for TV and movie, right? Right. So if somebody came up to you, like for me, I was thinking I've talked to other people. If somebody comes up to me and says, "Well, we would like to, we would like to uh, get an option for Dark Side for uh, adaptation into a movie," I said, "Well, okay, um, this is," and I would have to negotiate out. This is what an option is going to be like for one year, and if. We, you know, we come to the end of that year and you have not um, exercised that option and you have nothing in development, it will revert back to me. But if you have something mm-hmm. that looks promising, then we can talk about it. So you don't want to be too rigid either, you know? Right, yeah. Um, let's let's look at where you're going um, because, uh, you know, we, we do have a kind of an abbreviated show. Right now, tell us a little bit about the projects you're working on right now because I want to ask you where you see yourself in about five years. So what are you up to right now? Okay, well, we just released the, um, we had the re-release of Brother Man as a graphic novel. It's called Brother Man Revelation, and this came out in January 2016. So we're still building the momentum on that book. It won two book, won two book awards at the East Coast Black Age of Comics in Philly last year for a story mm-hmm. of the year and best artist, and also nominated for a character, best character. And... There's going to be three. That that is like the first of a trilogy. There's supposed to be three books 
all together in that series. So basically book one is like a 110 page book, which I tell people like, imagine it like the first third of a movie. Cause we're starting okay. off with the main character, Antonio Valor, when he was around 17 years old, a teenager, but it, it follows more the pattern of his mother and father and what they went through and the Valor home, what was happening in the Valor home. So think of it like, you know, if you were watching a Superman movie and you just, you know, it just ended with you're still in Smallville, you know, he didn't get to the Daily Planet yet and he didn't get to the major villain yet. You know what I mean? So sure. with the Brother Man story, you know, because some people who are not familiar with it, they may say, oh, so is he a, a, a child? And I say, no, this is the first third of a of a epic tale. And yeah, act one. You know, the here first is act. act one. Yeah, the story is just starting at the end of this book is really where the drama is, is really just kicking in. So, you know, and that's for those who ask questions like that. But the majority of people who pick it up, they understand that philosophy. So um, my company is Big City Entertainment. It's a corporation that I formed, and it's a creative arts and animation company. Right now I'm focused on graphic novel production. My brother Guy, uh, he not only wrote Brother Man Revelation, he also has a series of not novellas. These are like, these are novels, you know, these are not graphic novels with pictures, and it's called The Cold Hard Cases of Duke Denham. And these are uh, prequels to the graphic novels. Uh, Duke Denham is the DA that the main character, Brother Man, who is Antonio Valor, Antonio Valor is a lawyer, he works at the city hall uh, um, legal department, legal as a uh, uh, public defender, and he works okay. under Duke Denham, who's the DA. But this is Duke Denham when he was younger, when he was a private detective. And there's five novels out so far, and there's going to be ten altogether in the series. And then they connect to the graphic novel, which connects back to the original series that that came out in 1990. So it's it's kind of like a, you know, a, a, a more like a complex series of stories that we're weaving together for our own universe, and that's just for the Brother Man Comics universe. My objective coming to Atlanta, um, and I look at Brother Man just as a vanguard to the bigger picture of what I want to do, which is build a creative arts and animation company here in Atlanta that is, uh-huh. uh, you know, that's global, but we're actually producing our work, merchandising our work, and I also want to do a school, build a, build a school, because I've taught classes over the years, all ages, I mean, going back 20-some years, but I've said I've always wanted to have a school, uh, you know, where I can bring in, like, concept artists, you know, I'm not talking about me be the that teacher on staff every day, create the platform for us to have uh, you know, high quality, you know, teachers, you know, doing Adobe After sure, Effects, um, film, yeah. theory, all that stuff where you then can pull from your, uh, your, your creative stock on your productions. So, you know, so that, that's why I'm building con- connections with people here, you know, learning about investment. Because one of the things that you mentioned before, you know, like if you get money, what are you going to do with your money? Are we going to just blow it or are we going to invest it? Like you were saying, right. annuities and also like real estate. You know, we should be buying land or buying homes and, you know, properties and things like that. Things that are going to build over time. And these things can help you, help you to build a foundation that will help your creative, the, the, help with the whole creative process because you're generating revenue which will allow you to have the time to create the things that you want to create. And then, you know, the thing is you want to pull in people so then it's not just you creating. Going back to what we were saying before, how being a, a creator is, is sometimes a, a lonely path, but it doesn't have to be if you're building a production studio. Now you got all these creatives and you're creating an, an environment for them to, to work in. So that's that's one reason why I left the New York area and the L.A. area. I mean, I liked it. I liked being in those areas, but they were saturated, and I wanted to come to Atlanta because I felt like this is the place I can do it. But, you know, it takes time. You know, as I have a vision, and and I've heard, you know, your vision should be 
insane. You know, you should have an insane vision to work towards. Um, you know, everybody has a different philosophy, but you know, that's that's how I am. My mine is, I try to think all levels of this is what I want to have, and then I just start, well, you know, building at one stage you know, at Dan- a time. Yeah, Daniel Burnham um, uh, was an architect here in Chicago. You know, way way back. And, he, you know, he, he is credited, I believe he's credited with saying, make no small plans, mm-hmm. you know, because why not? And then, and today's corollary is go big or go home, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, it, you can always, you can always do accounting for some other company. You mm-hmm. can always, you know, drive the bus, you know, through the mm-hmm. neighborhood. You can always do that. But if you, if you want to wrestle control of your own life, then, then, then why not? dream big, you know, because why should you limit yourself? There's enough people around you who are going to try to tamp you down, who are going to try to limit you the way it is. So yeah. I, I, I like your thinking about that. Um, now, because of the richness of the whole Brother Man universe and all of the add-ons that you're putting together, do you see yourself as maybe morphing into kind of like a transmedia company where you yourself are putting out, you know, the Brother Man uh, 3D animated movie, the full feature movie, or the cartoon, or the, the, you know, the YouTube series that goes on for 10 years. Or, I mean, is that something that you would, you know, you would see you, your, your, yourself and, you, and the people who you work with contributing to? You know, it's funny. Uh, I... I have a YouTube page. Um, you go to youtube.com forward slash brother man comics. And I, ha- I posted up one of the old, one of the first interviews. Uh, cause we have so many interviews over the years because it's 27 years since we've been around. But one of the interviews where me and my brother Jason are being interviewed by um, uh, a radio station in Dallas. And, and on there we're saying, you know, brother man just came out last, you know, a couple months ago, you know, we're talking real time and he asked that same question, and we answered. We answered back then in 1990 that we were building an empire. So, mm-hmm. and we said it wasn't about comic books. We knew back then this is not about comic books. This is about building an institution. Um, and you know, this is before Tyler Perry had his company. Like we envisioned that way back in 1989, 90, um, that we should have a creative arts and animation studio that we own and operate that is cutting edge. And, and, and you tell, to talk about doing that back then when we didn't have apps and all this stuff, we just knew that's what we want to do. I don't know how we're going to do it. But in this age now, it's like I confirm it that much more. Like, yeah, we're going to do 3D. We're going to do toy, just like um, um, uh, what's my man's name? Um, Todd McFarlane toys. You know, that's, oh, that's yeah. the inspiration. Right. You know, and all the anime toys you see out there, you know, the toy market is very big. So I'm talking about very, like, action figures, things that look, like, super tight in terms of design. That's what I want to do, not just a little yeah, – yeah, I, I would like to do little cutesy baby stuff, but I'm talking about some serious <laughs> dynamic stuff, too, where you cover all, all corners. You know, we got the app, the apps going, um, game, game design, you know, the educational right. component, because we, we just did a um, – a collaboration with Emory University, and uh, if you go to bigcitymap.com, you will see the uh, collaboration we did with Emory where we we were working on the virtual reality uh, backgrounds. We're taking basically the, the map of Brother Man's World, Big City, and turning it into like a Google map, Google Earth. Okay, cool. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so people can and, people can explore it in real time. Right, right, and and what's at Big City Map right now was the experimental project that we did this year, and it's getting a lot of great reviews. Emory did an excellent write up. Like if you just Google Emory. dot com Brother Man Comics, it'll pull up like an exceptional article that they wrote about the whole project, okay. and that's just. You know, we're talking about you know we're, we're talking about all the aspects of education, bringing brother man and this whole idea of world building into schools. So then now you can start you know talk about moving product through school systems and and bypassing comic book 
distribution networks, and going into schools. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like, there's always so many different ways to get your product out there. Well, I, I always tell people, don't just rely on systems that are already set up. You know, just be creative. Think of, you know, like, if you like drawing cars and you make comic books about cars, sell it at a car show. You know, you don't always have to sell at a comic book store. You know, if a comic book store supports you, great. There's some places, you know, some people, they may support you. Some people may be lukewarm towards you. It's all, it's all, that's all, that's all uh, personality traits. But that does not right. have anything to do with the value of your product. Because some people, they may not, they may not just, you know, they just may not be into cars. But you go someplace yeah. else, right. everybody loves it. And you're selling yeah. like tons of them over there. Mm-hmm. A, yeah, a friend of mine um, has a kind of a creative universe very similar to yours, not, you know, not as expansive. But one mm-hmm. of the things that he invested in was he is putting together three-dimensional templates for all of his characters, you know, all of the other features, uh, probably spaceships and other stuff, as mm-hmm. three-dimensional templates that uh, fans can download to 3D print their own characters. Uh. You know, or, yeah, cool. and, and coins and cards and and spaceships and things like that, which is which is where the 3D market is really going to probably pick up. You know, a lot. You know, we heard a lot about it a year ago, over you know, two years ago, three years ago. You know, uh, like here in Chicago at the uh, one of the industrial fairs at McCormick Place, they actually printed a car, and they just added the motors and the tires, and the damn thing worked. Which I thought was oh yeah pretty yeah I think I heard about that yeah so so I mean like you said there are so many avenues that can be used and should be used because mm-hmm. you definitely want to excite the minds of the people who you're you're trying to serve and mm-hmm. the other part about that the B part of that is once you do that you're creating you're creating uh, new consumers for your product you know not everybody reads a book. Not everybody reads right. a comic book. Not everybody gets a movie. Not everybody, you know, but if you have all of these crossovers like you're talking about, like you've been talking about since 1990, um, mm-hmm. you, what you're doing is you're contributing to the longevity of your own your own creative universe and your own product. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's key. Uh, one last thing. we got about five minutes to go. Do you spend much time going to conventions and meeting with people? Or, or, well, or, you know, some do, some don't. I had to be talked into it. Well, I go to a lot of conventions if I'm going there and I'm participating. You know what I mean? Like, okay. um, I, I, I think I, I remember I, I have never been to a comic convention until I was invited to one, I think, back in 90 or, yeah, 1990. I think it was the Dallas Fantasy Fair. And that was the first okay. one we were actually invited to. And... You know, um, we before that we were doing like the Black Expos. That was our thing. I I love those types of conventions and events. Those are the types that I would probably just go to, even if I wasn't um, selling. Um, right. But as far as just going to conventions, that never really was my mo. Like I would go when I was set up, and I would participate. Um, because I know it's an avenue, but a lot of times I, I'm I'm just in the lab. I'm I'm thinking about things I I have to produce. Because to be honest, like when I go to a, an event, I'm gonna go there uh-huh. with something tangible. I don't I don't usually like to go somewhere and talk about what I'm gonna do. I'd rather be at home. Nobody sees me for a while, and then when I come out, if I if I'm talking about something, I put it in your hand. Here it is. Uh huh. Uh huh. And that yeah, you actually go, makes you people go, respond. Yeah. You you go, and then all of a sudden, bam, there it is. Right. Now, if there's something yeah. that, uh, you know, I just got to go, I mean, that's, that's a different story, but I just haven't really ran into so many things that just made me say, I just got to go, um, that 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 pulls pulls me there. You know, mm-hmm. now, like you're saying, with the technology thing, I would like to see something like that where uh, – you know what? What do I have? What do I have? What what capabilities are out there that can help take this intellectual property into another platform? I'd like to know what that is. You know, sure. 
So those those types of events that that's what I would would get into. And and um, so where's your primary feedback um, that you get for you know the you know over the years for Brother Man where what what was kind of like your your view into the minds of your your I guess your customers your you know um, where did you get that from? Over the years, and I would say it's still, I would still say the primary way that I know what people are saying is being out in the public because we've always been like a grassroots company. Like, people always knew that they can meet us. We were in New York, you know, we're in your city, you know, we're here at this event here. We were doing like little, you know, We'll go to a church table. Yeah, you know, I don't even go to this church or whatever. It's just like, hey, they got tables there for $25, and people can come vend. And you go in there and make a couple hundred dollars. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, yeah. but you got to meet people there. The people are really nice to you and all that stuff, and they like your product. And next thing you know, you're making some connections. And then, you know, it might be a little church in West Philly. Then we go someplace else, which is a school. Then we go to someplace, it's a mosque. Then we go someplace else. Hey, they got a table over here, um, some street festival in South Dallas, you know, Brooklyn Street Festival. Sure. You know what I mean? And and then you, you get the immediate response from people right then and there. And then nowadays the boomerang effect is in effect real strong. And I, I call it the boomerang effect because these are people that grew up on Brother Man who are meeting you. Yo, man, I, yo. Mm-hmm. I met you, man, I grew up on your book. Hey, I learned to read from your book. Now all the stuff that you probably would never know sitting at home, people are telling you to your face, you know, um, things that I probably would never have comprehended, you know, that this book impacted impacted people in these ways. People stand in front of me with tears coming out their eyes because of what it meant to them back in the day. Uh, One woman said, you know, I wouldn't even expect the sister. She didn't even seem like somebody reads comics. You know, she seemed like that neo soul type sister. She's real cool. You know, and uh, when she saw Brother Man, she said it brought tears to her eyes because it reminded her of her mom because her mom bought her Brother Man when she was a little girl, and she said, mm-hmm. "I always loved reading those books, and I haven't seen them in years." And she said, and her mom passed away. So when she saw the books, it made her think of her mom. You see, I mean, I got so many stories that are are connection stories, how people are connected to the product. So to me, if I try to, you know, say if, um, you know, some store doesn't want to carry Brother Man Revelation for one reason or other, I never feel like, oh, man, my book isn't worth anything because I already know the worth. You know what I mean? I'd be like, they don't know what's going on. I know what's going on. They don't know what they're missing out on. They don't know the well, gem and, that they just passed up on, and the, and you don't need their their approval to you know to don't. feel validated. Yeah, and I tell, hey, let me let yeah, me stop. Go ahead. Well, um, go no, ahead. I'm just saying that's the thing I tell all the young people and and newbies to the business and stuff. So man, you put the value on your your work and 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 don't um and don't you know don't let other people tell you that it's not worth worth it. And don't let other people define you. You know, mm-hmm. you got if you've got your own clear vision, stick with that because that's what's going to keep you true, and it's probably going to carry you, no matter what. Anyway, mm-hmm. look, we're we're we're. I I know you have to get up early tomorrow, and as I told you before the show starts, if if anybody wants to see my ass at 5 a.m., they best sleep <laughs> over at my house. Okay, they best sleep over because that's about the only way they're going to see me. The only thing I'll get yeah. up that early for is the airplane. You know, because they don't care. Yeah, you anyway, got to be up. No, this was great. I mean, I had a good time. We're going to have to uh, bring you back so that we could talk a little bit more and also take a look at, you know, anything new that you've got popping out. Um, for those who tuned in late, we were talking to uh, Daoud Anya Buila. And uh, did I say that right? Anya Buile. Buile, sorry. And so... Um, he has to get up early tomorrow. We're gonna we're doing a short show tonight, so 
Um, we will have you back so that we could talk to you in the future. But, man, thanks for showing up, even though you knew you had to get up early in the morning. Oh, no problem. Can I give him the uh, URLs and contacts? Absolutely. Please knock it out. Go ahead. Yeah. Our, well, our main homepage is brothermancomics.com. That's brothermancomics.com. That's where you can order the Brotherman Revelation graphic novel. Um, we also have uh, an Instagram page which is at brothermancomics, that's C-O-M-I-X. But actually, if you go to brothermancomics.com, it has all our social media on it. If you like digital downloads and you want to get the graphic novels or digital download, you can go to comicsology.com. And let me see. Oh, and I said go to bigcitymapmap.com if you want to check out what we're doing with Emory University. And I think uh, I think that was pretty much that will pretty much cover it because those main sites will take you to any other important links. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you very much. I hope you get to sleep fast. And, um, I will. We will, we, will, we will have you back, and uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I'm going right. to just close it out here, and then uh, we'll, we'll call it a night. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody who picks this up as a podcast. It, uh, it, it uh, warms my heart do it and makes me feel good about giving up my Friday night. Um, I hope everybody has a good weekend ahead and a good week following, and we'll have a new show for you next next Friday. So on behalf of uh, Jarvis and BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website, everybody have a great evening. Thank you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.